Well, well done, Wentz. You know how to hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor. So, hello, and welcome to all four quarters. The one shot shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. We've got a week 11 in the bag. We had some big victories, some surprise wins, and some fucking Vikings that we have to cover. So hey, we got Connor here and we got Fitz. Hello. How are we getting on? How's all down in Cork? Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, tipping away at a release that we're nearly up to in work. Uh, we may have to delay it a little bit, but uh, it's pretty much on target and that's grand. And then uh, in sporting news, uh, I'm a Man United supporter. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer fired probably uh, not too soon, in my opinion. He, he's kind of been very questionable compared to some of the other guys that the other teams have in terms of management talent and... Uh, yeah, given where my team in the NFL is doing, it's not been great times anyway in terms of sports. Uh, <laughs> Ireland are doing pretty well, I suppose, in the rugby. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, as our eagle-eared listeners will notice that uh, we're still sans Sean. Unfortunately, his trip to America has resulted in uh, not being able to function at the normal time zones that we are working in here. So hopefully he will be back from uh, the jet lag next week and be able to join us. And also... As I mentioned at the top, Minnesota did okay, so I think he may be just trying to avoid talking about that. Although you'd think he'd want to be kind of talking up his uh, New England Patriots following everything that's going on. Um, but he, yeah. he, he loves the Minnesota Vikings deep down. We all know that. He does, and he will be covering them for the rest of the season. So uh, <laughs> that will be his present. Uh, we will move on and have a look at the news. Uh, it's not been too busy a week in the NFL news-wise, so uh, we'll start with some transactions. So New Orleans have extended quarterback, quarterback Taysom Hill, $40 million, <laughs> 22500000 million guaranteed. It includes a clause that becomes 90 million if he becomes a full-time quarterback starter for them uh this continues the ongoing adventure that is sean payton just desperately wanting to give Taysom hill lots of money without ever really seeing why that was and the organization wanting to continue doing the same i don't understand this contract i get that you know realistically it's a 22 and a half million dollar contract thing but for what he's not really a backup quarterback he's not really a backup running back uh i i don't i don't get this at all no it's unusual and like does anyone believe that he'll be getting paid a bunch of money by some other team not really so under market conditions it's kind of like it's a loose scenes like very much like an overpay and it's not like Taysom Hill is having his best year he, he spent some time injured they're like starting Trevor Simeon right now quarterback instead of playing him as a full-time starter so it just begs like significant questions about the purpose of Taysom Hill obviously Sean Payton loves him and he loves how flexible he is and I think Sean Payton just likes showing off to a certain extent that he's certainly not <laughs> been afraid to put his neck on the line for things that he believes in uh, over others uh, so it's a bit unusual but I think this 90 million situation is very much something I think that Taysom Hill's agent probably put in there to kind of create a bit of noise and kind of say hey maybe it'll happen but I don't know like if I wanted to be a you know, quarter starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, I probably would have signed like a one, two year contract with a lower number and then just uh, operate that way. So even if the Saints don't end up wanting you as their quarterback, you might have got a quarterback position somewhere else. But hey, look, Taysom Hill obviously feels he has something to prove. Sean Payton has something to prove. And they're obviously willing to spend a lot of money on the Saints side to let them uh, work all that stuff out. But look, if Trevor Simeon's starting over you, 
you're not going to be a full-time starter. That's yeah, and you got to imagine that either this is an irrelevant clause or it's a poison pill that'll stop him ever being traded because no one's going to trade for him to be their backup quarterback or their quarterback if it suddenly means that they have to pay him ninety million just because he's been made a full-time starter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's confusing, and I don't know what you're doing. New Orleans, fucking get a hold of yourself. Philadelphia extend tight end Dallas Goddard four years, fifty-seven million with thirty-five million guaranteed. Uh, and they also extended their quarterback, uh, Avante Maddox, three years and $22.5 million. I suppose after Ertz kind of uh, being traded away in the offseason and now looking great in the other area, they want to keep Dallas Goddard, keep continuity at that tight end position and kind of tr- keep some weapons for the... Uh, well, I presume they're going to keep the rookie quarterback, but uh, I say sophomore, is it now? I can't yeah. remember the American system. <laughs> yeah, rookie, sophomore. Um, but yeah, basically makes sense he's been quite productive for them this is a relatively cheap contract for a tight end um as long as he stays performing and given the 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 years and the values in it i presume that this is kind of closer to a three year and get out or two year and can get out relatively cheaper yeah like he's he's a pro bowl type tight end i don't think he's like an all pro kind of guy who's going to dominate every single game but if you want a guy who is an effective passer can run good routes and can kind of get like jason witten level perform production out of him every year then i think dallas goddard has a chance of being that type of tight end basically kind of uh, similar to to, to uh, earth's at, at his peak uh, maybe mm-hmm. a little less explosive than him uh like i think you know when they when they drafted him there were certain people that expected him to become like a superstar but i don't think he's ever quite reached that level but he's a solid player you obviously have a fairly cheap quarterback for the next few years so why would you take away his favorite blanket and not pay this guy so makes sense from my point of view and uh yeah i think uh it should be uh, a pretty mutually beneficial relationship for go- going forward the next few years yeah maddox is pretty cheap for that as well uh three years 22 and a half so pretty smart moves all around from them denver have decided uh <laughs> they've seen enough from their wide receivers they're happy with them and that it's all on the quarterback that they've refused to fix so they've extended Cortland sutton four years 60 million with 35 million guaranteed and tim patrick three years and 34 million to be fair both good players um but yeah like <laughs> they can't just like lock down the wide receivers and then continue to flail around aimlessly at quarterback you got to imagine that this is with an eye on we can pay these guys because we're going rookie and we're gonna you know be able to just kind of build something for three or four years on a cheap rookie contract yeah like look they have jerry judy obviously on a rookie contract both these contracts aren't that expensive relatively speaking if you're talking about the top level of talent yeah. like Kirtland Sutton maybe you know given his injury and you know not being the most amazing starter this year after coming back he's been good but not great um maybe it's a little bit overpaid but yeah it's given their quarterback situation is in such flux uh, there's not really going to be too much of a money situation there uh and obviously they trade away people like Von Miller so they're kind of getting cheaper on the defense as well mm-hmm. um so I think Kirtland Sutton is he has the talent to be a wide receiver one he has shown flashes of that in previous years and he's shown flashes of that this year so it seems like a fine contract and tim patrick seems like uh one of the better wide receiver two or three out there like he's always popping up getting getting touchdowns and being a very effective piece uh i think the only other transaction is also uh, i think philip Lindsay got cut by houston but i don't know if that actually matters or not because they're just cutting and adding guys all the time yeah. but uh for denver look i was like philip Lindsay actually i think he probably yeah. he'll probably catch on to someone who needs a bit of running back help coming in towards backstretch yeah and i think like look for denver 
you got to like they need a quarterback but hey if you build something that a quarterback can just go into then yeah if a, a rookie should do well if they get the if they're brought in or obviously if you get someone like Aaron Rodgers they're going to hopefully do well trail out of the traps with these guys and Noah Fant and guys like that well that moves us well over to the injury section because you say Aaron Rodgers but what if it's Aaron Rodgers who only has nine toes uh, <laughs> Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers has a severe-ish toe injury he's expected to play through it but he's been severely restricted at practices and uh, he said that it was impacting on his ability to play uh, during last week's game because it happened early on during the matchup. I will say the speed at which they scored that equalising touchdown that we'll talk about later on uh, would suggest that it didn't slow him down all that much. Uh, Green Bay have also lost offensive lineman um, Eglinton Jenkins to an ACL injury, so he's going to be gone for the season. Uh, so, yeah, not great for Green Bay. Loss on the O-line, which means less protection for Rodgers, who's now presumably going to be less mobile. Not that he was the world's most mobile quarterback beforehand, but, you know, yourself he likes to buy time behind there um it's a lot like i it, it's a loss to lose jenkins but it's also you know this is still a very good green bay team as long as roger's toe doesn't get any worse you'd imagine they'll be able to to, to work around this yeah, like Jenkins had been filling in at left tackle. He played uh, in the interior last year, but he was doing a fairly good job uh, considering that position because Dave Bakhtiari is still out. And I think he, I think the most recent news is that he had some kind of cleanup operation. So I don't think he's expected to be back in the uh, like the immediate future. So they're going to have to put in someone like uh, Josh Nimjin or Dennis Kelly or one of these kind of backup uh, level uh, left yeah. tackles. And certainly that will put more pressure on Aaron Rodgers. He'll have to do a bit more moving around. And yeah, his description of it is that it's worse than turf toe in terms of the pain mm-hmm. uh hopefully not in terms of the long-term implications if he plays through it uh but he's obviously decided that uh he has to do this he wants to win a super bowl with, with green bay presumably and he, they're certainly in a good position to do so so yeah i think elton jenkins will be a significant loss but yeah aaron Rodgers is the is the key here and i think he can continue to perform uh, even with that loss he's done it with a lot of losses to the offensive line over the last few years yeah chicago lose uh, their big Defensive player Khalil Mack to foot surgery. He's gone for the season. Also, Justin Fields got a rib injury. Uh, he's expected to miss the Thanksgiving game, but he's going to be back after that. It's obviously big loss to the defense. Big loss, I suppose, theory to the to the offense as well here. Although it's all it's only going to be for a game, and we did see Dalton put up some decent throws, uh, throwing in relief here. There is also rumors swirling that uh, the that the coaches of Chicago Bears has already been told that he's fired after the Thanksgiving game. Yeah, and like that wouldn't surprise me. Like Matt Nagy was on the hot seat coming into this year. It's not really can, worth. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being fired in advance of beating the Lions by thirty points? Like <laughs> that doesn't count. That's like a fake win, you know. Like we don't. We, you literally could beat the Lions a hundred nil, and we would still fire you. Is basically what they're saying there. Yeah. If the rumors are true, and I look, they're three and seven. They're they're even in how bad the nfc is in the wildcard hunt i that's still pretty much unlike like you're definitely yeah. got like a less than five percent chance you know this is a lost season it's a team that's been in disarray for multiple years really um and it has major questions at quarterback still major questions uh, across the rest of the roster and yeah I, like i think a, a refresh has been coming for a while there so look justin fields it's been very, very up and down, and he certainly wasn't playing well before he was pulled at last week when he got this rib injury. Um, but I think whoever 
either Nagy or an interim head coach is unlikely to not play him because there's no point in playing Andy Dalton. You know exactly what you have there. And Khalil Mack, like, look, um, he'd been kind of playing through this for a while, but eventually these things have to give and uh, there's no point in, you know, ruining uh, a guy who you're obviously hoping to play for in the few ne- few, next few years, hopefully in better league position um, by making him play through something that he can't play through for, for too much longer without having any long-term effects. No, of course. And your boys, the Seahawks, uh, Chris Carson, his injury is neck and he's gone for the season. And your cornerback, Trey Brown, has done his patellar tendon. He's gone for the season. Um, yeah, like yeah. you've been getting performances out of is it Dallas, the running back as well. But um, that that's a cornerback group that isn't exactly looking the strongest on paper anyway to lose another piece. Yeah, look, look, Chris Carson, uh, like, like Seattle season is basically over, but like Chris yeah. Carson, the injury is significant. Uh, he obviously getting neck surgery, something to do with like, uh, like needing a fusion uh, from in a spinal cord. Like we had a situation with Cam Chancellor back in the year where he had a stinger, uh, or what was originally called a stinger that ended up ending his career. Like I, hopefully that's not the case here, but there's enough. Uh, reports swirling out there that this could be a significant injury that could linger and, and make it very difficult to play a position which is obviously incredibly punishing for the body and Trey Brown, like he'd been really effective when he came in the last couple of weeks uh, alongside Ed Reed, it's kind of and looked like we had our future cornerback pairing now he gets a patellar tendon injury, one of the more severe injuries to make a recovery from, so that's just a hugely uh, bad beat for a guy who had already been suffering from injuries and suffer, and kind of play through those, um, so for Seattle fans, not only is the present crap but uh, significant questions over how good the future can be with these two guys uh, who could be contributors, uh, careers, both in uh, jeopardy, basically. Yeah, and uh, just a couple of other ones that are less uh, less kind of season, uh, <laughs> season-long, we'll say. Dallas wide receiver Amari Cooper uh, can you use on the COVID list. He may miss the Thanksgiving game. And CD Lamb got a concussion while uh, being intercepted in the end zone uh, in the game this week. So he's expected to miss Thanksgiving in the concussion protocol. Tennessee lose Bud Dupree to an abdominal injury, so he's on short-term IR. That means he's available to come back within three weeks. And uh, AJ Brown has injured his ribs, and he's now week to week as well. And the Jets, uh, one of the few bright sparks of their rookies, Michael Carter, now has an ankle sprain. So we're talking at least two weeks, but maybe up as far as four. So not great for any of them. At least they're all going to be bouncing back from it. Jesus, Tennessee! Like, is there going to be anyone left on this team by the end of the season? <laughs> I no, apparently not. Except for Tannehill, who is crap. Uh, so it doesn't really yeah. make much of a difference. Yeah, uh, look like. Like, look, Dallas, they're in trouble for Thursday night football. Well, not Thursday night, Thanksgiving football. Uh, they're playing Vegas, who are pretty bad. So I think they could perhaps survive this. They do have got Michael Gallup back. So we'll see how they make do with that. But, like, early goings weren't great this week without their main two weapons. Uh, but the tree obviously was having an effective season for Tennessee, and they were finally getting some pass rush. So obviously he had to get injured. So they can't have that. And AJ Brown, we're all hoping, can play through it. And he is a guy who's been playing through injuries pretty much for the last two seasons and seems to always show up no matter how injured he is so I expect him if he can play he will play and yeah Michael Carter he's been really uh, one of the few bright spots for the Jets and yeah just a real kick in the nuts that they don't get to see more of this guy for the rest of the season and they have to rely on like Tevin Coleman to have more snaps no one wants to see more of Tevin Coleman at this point no well I'm sure there's probably some fantasy players out there who've had injuries who are just like licking their lips at the prospect of you know seven fantasy points a game from Tevin Coleman um but yeah, it doesn't exactly excite you as a as, as a watcher. Uh, and I suppose with that, we will move on and take a look at the games from last week. 
So first up, Pittsburgh at the LA Chargers, Sunday Night Football that had a little bit of a mad ending to it, uh, 37-41. to Just an absolutely mad fourth quarter ends up with uh, LA Chargers comeback as Pittsburgh kind of claw back from 14-point deficit uh, at halftime. Herbert uh, looked, looked okay early on and then looked very good later on. Uh, 382 yards, three touchdowns. He had an interception, but then he also decided to just get going on the ground and went for 90 yards. Um, but yeah, it was... To be honest, certainly felt like it was lucky that Pittsburgh were missing so many defensive players because I get a feeling that some of the things that they did wouldn't have worked otherwise. That said, they just were able to just keep handing the ball to the running back, Eckler, who had four touchdowns in this game. And as we'll discuss later on, somehow that makes him the second best running back this week um, in terms of production. Uh, Alan Williams all got a TD and they all got about 100 yards, so it was good. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger looked slightly better than before maybe the little break um was good for kind of getting some of the arm strength back he went 273 and three touchdowns but still made mistakes and was definitely limited when you saw him trying to throw deep uh and to be honest a lot of their comeback was due to like mistakes by the chargers block punt Ooh, interception classic charger turnover on downs like there was it it genuinely felt at times that this was chargers were going to charge and it was just going to be awful and they pull it out but let's be honest right Yes, very exciting. Good that they were scoring the points and stuff. This is this is the Pittsburgh team that we've seen all year, and they allowed them to score thirty-seven points on them. What the fuck? Yeah, and it's not even that they got beat the way they usually get beat this year, which is that their run defense has been among the worst in the league. But instead, they basically let Ben Roethlisberger look like uh, Pat Mahomes, uh, like basically, especially in the in the second half. Uh, although he was obviously helped by all of those mistakes in the fourth quarter in their comeback. Like, yeah, like you know, the the Chargers dominated this game uh, for the vast majority. Of it. I think they scored in their first six. Um, drives and they were having long effective drives they were getting the deep passes uh, as well and yeah Austin Eckler was an absolute dynamo not only in the run game but also being incredibly effective in the pass game juking juking these guys out and you definitely felt the lack of uh, Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end that that entire secondary gets a lot softer and a lot less gamey uh, when he is out of the lineup and then of course you know on the other hand Herbert's basically able to kind of sit in the pocket not really feel too much of the rush because TJ Watts out and so that just creates a perfect recipe for the Chargers to have a bounce back game finally get this offense going back to what we expected and what we've seen flashes of earlier this year uh, and that came true but unfortunately the defense basically chose to as I say, kind of uh, focus on the run game, uh, show, well, we're not bad at defending the run. They got it down to like 3.1 carry, but instead, uh, whatever, whatever they're doing in terms of scheming, they were leaving easy passes open for Ben Roethlisberger. Like, I get that the Steelers have used Najee Harris a lot this year, but you also know the other thing that the Steelers do is short passes and relying on yards after catch. You you literally just need to stop those two things. Forget about the deep ball, like the true deep ball, and you're fine. Because like the one deep ball that the Steelers did get to Chase Claypool early in this game, like Underthrow. Ben Roethlisberger underthrew it. Like yeah. he had Chase Claypool for for a, for a touchdown um, if he had thrown it correctly or thrown it deep. Uh, but instead, it, it got stopped in the within the five yard line, and that was the first. Like that was actually on their first drive and they ended up not getting a touchdown from that because they screwed up in the red zone so like that like you know what it's yeah. just a situation where you know there's a there's an obvious template to beat the Steelers in terms of doing defense and the fact that Brandon Staley wasn't able to do it as a defensive minded head coach better like. <laughs> or the defense is just bad uh, you know either could definitely be true 
yeah, I, I don't know what's going on in terms of that defense. Like, I expected more from Brandon Staley, let's be honest. But, you know, on the offense, like, look, they're still being aggressive. They're still doing things. But they did try to basically give this game away. <laughs> you know, when you have a, a tipped interception and then you, you have the <laughs> you have the blocked punt, you know, these are both mistakes that you should be avoiding. But it's just classic charging. And then on their final drive, would have been a tie. Would have been a tie game at the time. They go for a fourth down on their in their own half. And I'm kind of going, like that's quite aggressive against an offense that hasn't really. Like, but like, to be fair, it worked out for them because they, I suppose Pittsburgh got their points very quickly, and that gave them the chance to uh, get the score fairly quickly themselves, thanks to Mike Williams. Uh, and then, yeah, finally the Steelers, when put in their own uh, own uh, like uh, their own end uh, for the final drive, they finally came up short and got sacked multiple times by Joey Bosa in particular. Um, so look, overall, does this change our opinions about either of these teams? Not really. I think Pittsburgh need their defensive starters back to be uh, a factor and the Chargers need to sort their shit out and just not be so mistake prone and just stop shooting themselves and they could be an effective team still. I know a lot of people are taking away the narrative that this is great because this means that Justin Herbert and the Chargers have turned a corner and they're not going to charge things up. I don't know. It, I, I don't think that's what I take away from this. I take away from this that they are still incredibly mistake prone and they need to yeah. fucking you can't, fix that. You can't take anything away when they were missing TJ Watt and Minkah Fitzpatrick. That's just a completely different defense without them. Yeah. Uh, next up, Green Bay of Minnesota. Shout out to you, Sean. Uh, 31 to 34. Cousins here was actually the hero and managed it. I don't know what this does to our normal metric. Uh, because like, Listen, he was incredibly wrong. Green Bay are definitely a winning team. Um, Cousins went for 341 yards and three touchdowns. Um, that said, he was nearly intercepted, but uh, he had a two-minute kind of winning field goal drive, uh, particularly well thought out by the running back to slide and make sure that Rodgers doesn't get the ball back. Uh, so <laughs> given that previously they'd pulled ahead and Rodgers had scored in, I believe, a single play. So yep. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was probably safe to not let him have it. Jefferson... They seem to just figure out. I, I was sitting watching this game with uh, with my wife, and <laughs> she's just like, "Why do you keep saying just passes to Justin Jefferson?" And I was like, "Because every time they do it, they score a fucking touchdown. <laughs> like, just throw it at him more." 169 yards, two touchdowns. Cook went over 100 and a touchdown. Um, and the Green Bay defense looked not a hundred percent in this one. Rogers went for 385 and four touchdowns and looked great. Uh, throwing to like you know Marcus Valdez Scantling went off for 123 and a touchdown, including a very nice long ball. Uh, Adams over 102 touchdowns, but you know the kicking game they missed a kick or two. Uh, it was scrappy at times. Uh, like I suppose they're on the road. These guys know them and stuff, but yeah, like it. It was. It was. Just not a hundred percent from them. It was interesting to hear immediately afterwards about what we mentioned there—the toe injury limiting them slightly. Because honestly, I thought overall Rogers played right well in this. Yeah, like to be honest, if if you didn't have the media reports, you wouldn't have guessed it because he looked yeah. normal. He even did a couple of rushes. He didn't look too affected by it. So, yeah, hopefully for for Green Bay fans, they're like that means that he's just going to be Aaron Rodgers, except even more annoyed basically and our, our, our running theory of Aaron Rodgers football is the more annoyed he is the better he is at football so maybe having that pain in his toe is the ultimate <laughs> in motivation that he needs uh, but yeah. unfortunately in this game his uh, furious comeback attempt wasn't enough like this was a game that the uh, Minnesota Vikings where you heard this before they go up er- go up early and then uh, allow the other team back into the game uh, that's been a recurring uh, vista for <laughs> Vikings fans this, this week but finally after having so many bad beats this year, and obviously they'd love to undo some of those bad beats, 
they get the good beat against their you know hated rival and keep the NFC North technically alive, but more importantly, keep themselves very much in the running for the uh, wild card spot that is their destiny, uh, as I would uh, as I would claim uh, every week or have for the last since uh, <laughs> the preseason basically. And look, like Cousins played well. Obviously, you know as it is with every time Cousins like. Dalvin Cook worked well. He wasn't uh, his best, but he had over 100 yards. He had a touchdown, and that meant that the play action was open, and Je- Justin Jefferson was open even if the play action didn't wasn't going. He just seemed to, as you say, be open at will. I don't know what was going on there. Obviously, they have, they're dealing with some injuries. That's definitely a game where they're missing Jair Alexander, where they'd have, you know, that's probably the only cornerback they have that you could put him on Justin Jefferson and, and shut him down for the game and force mm-hmm. him to go more to Thielen, who, you know, is, is a good wide receiver, but not who he once was. So, you know, I think it's just a situation that yeah this joe barry defense which i think you know yourself you were saying this is a really good defense we need to pay attention to it i don't know if something's been figured out here or just some injuries i know they're dealing with some defensive line injuries but it was just a huge drop off now to be fair on uh, the vikings final drive they had the chance to win the game darnell savage had an interception it was called out on the field but he dropped the ball and that was basically what set up cousins to uh you know, undo the story. Like, if you want to think about the like the uh, 500 thing, maybe consider the Darnell Savage to be some kind of like quantum type of thing, where it's like because it was called an interception on the field and Green Bay would have won in that situation, it's okay. But because that didn't happen, like a, a pocket universe is created now where Minnesota can actually win a game against a good team. Um, uh, that's probably as logical as any other <laughs> excuse for why Minnesota could win this game. But like, to be fair to Minnesota, they actually have a winning record against Green Bay since Lafleur became the head coach of the Green Bay mm. Packers. So. They definitely do seem to have a book on this, or Mike Zimmer seems to have spent a lot of his time researching how to beat Aaron Rodgers and to make him less effective. It didn't work perfectly in this game. It worked for the first half, but in the second half, MVS and Devontae Adams were basically getting Justin Jefferson type open. They were absolutely destroying him. And as you say, Rodgers looked perfectly healthy. He had a number of those amazing throws where he just flicks his hand and the ball goes like 50, uh, you know, 50 yards and he gets a touchdown. Uh, so, yeah, I think for Rodgers, he'll be fine. Uh, but the defense, yeah. maybe a little bit of concern that they got beat up this badly uh, in a game that they obviously really would have wanted to win and put this division out of out of reach. Uh, but like, look, uh, we'll, we'll see if this means anything. But I think and it doesn't change my opinion of either team too much. Uh, but I think... Uh, for both teams, uh, the, the, they'll take something away from this. But for Minnesota, it was probably, for them, more important to win this and not have a, a terrible season. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, Dallas at Kansas City, 9-19. Um, the Chiefs appear to be back, but not as, well, not as more modern fans would know them. Maybe some of the older fans would remember the stout defense being the lead of this team. Uh, Kansas City defense had two interceptions, a fumble, five sacks, and only allowed 276 yards, led by Chris Jones, who had three and a half sacks. And let's be honest, that should have been four. He did most of the work on the half sack. Um, two and a half tackles for a loss and tipped the winning interception as uh, Dak Prescott was just harassed all day. 216 yards, two interceptions and a fumble. Um, now, to be fair to him, he was missing some weapons. So obviously Amari was out uh, throughout the game. Uh, CD kind of got injured during it and got the concussion at the end of the first half, I believe. So he was kind of gone for the second half. They were getting good work out of his Dalton Schultz, the tight end. But... Um, 
Look, Mahomes and the offense looked very good early on. They only like Mahomes' line looks very weird. Two sixty interception and a fumble, which you would think would then make it a much closer game than it was. But at no point did it really feel like it was a tight game. Uh, there was a lot of focus on getting the run game established by the Chiefs. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being back was good. They also like pulled out very kind of classic Andy Reid style. Like had some interesting play designs. Like they had one where it was a direct snap to Kelsey lined up in the shotgun, who then yeah. kind of just kind of ran as if he was a small train right down <laughs> through the B uh, through the A gap and just choo chewed in for the touchdown. It was uh it was it was it was an interesting one altogether. To, to be fair to the defense, like he, like Patrick Mahomes was stacked right behind him, so you know, he's gonna take a lot of attention. So it's true, it's true. But it was uh no, it was a, it was it was a it was a fun one. Now I must say, efficiency wise, the the Chiefs offense were great in the first half and then just were very quiet in the second half, which was a bit uh Perturbing, but the defense looked great. The um, the addition of Ingram, the moving kicking uh, of Jones back to the inside seemed to be working fantastically. The young rookie, they're not rookies now; they're mostly sophomores. Um, cornerbacks are looking great. In uh, got good performances out of Snead, Fenton, and the likes of that. Uh, and you know, we didn't see Daniel Sorensen very much, which is always a, a net positive. Um, apart from I think one of the big catches that was made. But uh, for Kansas City, <laughs> for Kansas City. A, a very good statement win and not the way I was expecting it to go uh, for Dallas, some question marks, but they had some injuries, but a lot of question marks. Yeah. Like I think if you're a Chiefs fan, it would have been great for this to be a blowout uh, and to have seen the offense do what it did last year and like, sorry, last week and I suppose last year as well and have that dominant offensive showing again and kind of show that they're, you know, that they're back back, but Hey, a really good defensive performance that took down one of the best offenses in the league and made them look very, very poor. You'll take that and you'll take the win, obviously. And you say this game, you know, it ended up a 10-point game, but for most of this game, it seemed that the Chiefs had this well in hand. And yeah, so I think the Chiefs ended up reverting to a much more uh, conservative game plan. To be fair, they've been more conservative in general, but yeah, in the first half in particular, they were relying on yards after the catch, a lot of kind of short dump-offs to, to, to Tyreek Hill, just let him kind of do his thing and get some extra yards, which to be fair, he's very, very good at. And defensive backs are absolutely absolutely shitting themselves when they see him. Uh, so they're giving him plenty of cushion to do that. So look, they're taking what's available. And I think, you know, you get to see, you get to see EH back um, to compliment Darrell Williams. And he's like 5.3 uh, a carry, gets a touchdown. I think that's a pretty good first outing for him coming off injury. It's better than what he was looking earlier this year so i think if you get that run game going again it's a very different template to win games but we know it's a template that's working for other teams that's worked in the past and you know if that stuff starts working if the run game starts working if the short pass game starts working then the deep pass game will probably become active again they won't be able to do those two high shells as much and maybe we can get back to uh you know basically uh chiefs is the chiefs that we all know and love and so for the chiefs overall yeah like chris jones absolute dynamo absolutely destroying people out there that's great to see and i think melvin ingram has definitely had a huge effect just having that other um, defensive end that you can trust to put out there and kind of just do a solid job. He, like he's not obviously the Melvin Ingram that was playing for the Chargers in, back in the day, but yeah. he's obviously a major upgrade over whoever, whatever random fella you were playing across <laughs> from Frank Clark there. And at the very Frank Clark seems to be, you know, he's, he's sniffing the postseason or he's like, I have to get the postseason to play he's well good. again. Well, I think, so, I think I think I think what he's noticing is he's noticing that there is a there is a quite an easy out in his contract after this year. So uh, <laughs> I think he needs to earn the next year now. 
never the quickest, so it might have taken him like half a season to realize that. Mm. So look, him and him and Ingram are obviously playing for money and playing for contract, but hey, they're playing well. And Chris Jones is obviously the the the, the hero here. He was obviously the major factor, but yes. those two guys are, are helping make that less bad. And even Jaron Reed is playing. He's always been a guy who, if the other guys are playing well across the line, he starts making showing up and making plays. So if you're Chiefs and you're happy, but on the Dallas side, like look, we kind of saw something like this a couple of weeks ago when they lost to Denver. Their offense just simply seemed to fall into the mud. I don't know if there's a template or, or, or defensive coordinators have found a, a way to beat Kellen Moore's scheme and just basically it's like you know from the analysis that I've seen and from what I saw and uh, saw uh, when watching the game, it's definitely a case that you know defenses are focusing on stopping the explosive plays, similar to how teams are stopping the Chiefs. Uh, but obviously, without Amari Cooper, without C.D. Lamb, after he went out with a concussion, you're relying on Michael Gallup, Gallup and, and Sed Wilson and guys like this to get your weapons. And yeah, instead. You know they were being taken away fairly easily. They're not the best players, and obviously Spagnola wasn't afraid to put a bit of pressure on Dak and make his uh, clock speed up. And so mm. yeah, he ended up dumping it off to Dalton Schultz a lot, which was fine, but it's not enough to win a game, and it wasn't enough to have consistent uh, production, especially because the run game just wasn't where it usually was. It wasn't the kind of dominant run game we saw in the middle of the season. Like it wasn't bad. Like Pollard in particular was was pretty effective, but yeah, because they were down uh, early and they kind of always felt like they had to come from behind, uh, it wasn't quite where they needed to. Be. So. I think, look, Dallas, a bit like the Chiefs, a bit like the Bills, there's all these high-powered offenses that we're wondering if they're going to pick it up or not. Um, but, uh, you know, week to week, it just seems that we're not really sure what these teams are doing. We'll see if any of them can, or, or any of them can figure out uh, a solution that can get them those big plays, as well as, you know, having to rely on these uh, dump-offs and running games and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it'd be, uh, it'd be interesting to see how it develops. Um, as you say, I think that'll be kind of uh, developed as a support to what they might be able to do later on. Indianapolis at Buffalo. This was a big surprise. 41 to 15. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor at Buffalo. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, 204 yards, five touchdowns, single-handedly destroying the Buffalo D as it rains down in Indianapolis uh, with their defense getting two interceptions and only allowing 300 yards. It was, uh, yeah, we'll say I might run side. I think it was said a couple of times during the... Uh, during the broadcast, but like it was what the was was it Cook and Jamal Charles are the are the two with five plus touchdown performances in the last 10, 15 years or something like that. Kamara as well. Uh, oh, sorry, it's Kamara, not 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 yeah. Cook. Sorry, it is just Kamara then. Um, yeah, just just last man. year. Yeah, his was six, but still, that was just insane. Allen has got nothing going. 200 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. All his wide receivers didn't work. The tight end was used a lot and got 80 yards, but like that's all that Knox could do. The run game was mostly like gone away from, and I can kind of see like they start to lose the run of themselves. Like they need to start scoring, but like they were getting six, seven, eight yards a carry here, and they just kind of went away from it. Uh, Wentz was there i think it's the best you can say he was on the field he had 100 yards and touchdown that's he handed well, off well. well well done wentz you know how to hand the ball to jonathan taylor um yeah that's indianapolis bizarrely i still don't trust this team <laughs> indianapolis moving into the playoff hunt and buffalo are now looking on a little bit of a skid here and uh i'm sure we'll hear God. more about that when uh, sean gets back like, it's so disgusting that it's currently shaping up perfectly for Tom Brady versus the Patriots for the Super Bowl. 
I was like, I was literally <laughs> going to mention that in the dump off uh, with the. Uh, oh, fair oh. enough, but like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? It's madness. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, look, we're already we're already struggling for things to say about this game because it, it sometimes analysis is easy. Sometimes a game is just won by one guy. We've we've seen that already from AFC side teams. We know Derrick Henry has single handedly won a number of games this year for the Tennessee Titans, and now uh, I you know I was advocating for this early on this season, basically from nearly the start of the season. I'm like, just give the ball to your best player, give it to Jonathan Taylor, take the pressure away from Carson Wentz, let them go, let him go wild and free. Stop using Naheem Hines for more than like five like you know uh, like you know whatever throwaway uh, downs like just give it to Taylor and it works it works really really well and in this game it absolutely annihilated a Buffalo defense which we it's pretty good like in terms of certainly it's DVOA and other advanced metrics it's a good defense but I think the one thing that has been said about this Buffalo defense is that it's more of a finesse defense and obviously there's nothing that finessed about Jonathan Taylor you know jumping right through you like jump cutting you and just making you look all like idiots and basically just being fed the ball again and again and keeping the ball away from the offense and look i think if you're a, like if you're a colts fan you know jonathan taylor is great and it's good that the defense actually showed up and seemed to have a plan to stop josh allen like josh allen's had a few too many of these games this year where he's looked very ordinary and like basically as i just alluded to in the previous review with the kansas city game and the, and the kansas city and dallas you know, there seems to be something in the air this year that a lot of these big play offenses, these offenses that have taken kind of spread principles and air raid principles from college are being slowed down significantly and leading to a lot of these games where these guys who sometimes look like absolute world beaters who can win games for themselves are being turned into very ordinary looking quarterbacks this year. Uh, you know, the people have talked a lot about the two shell and the changes people have made, uh, but it seems to, yeah, it seems to have affected Allen uh, very bad. He's not running that much this year either. So I think that's definitely an issue as well. And yeah, so like when your wide receivers are locked up, like, like, Ste- uh, like Stefan Diggs had two touchdowns, but otherwise basically had basically nothing happening and you're dumping it off to your tight end a theme again that we saw for Dallas and we've seen for Kansas City this year. It's just not a sustainable offense. So, you know, you, you would love to have a Jonathan Taylor helping you out. And they had like Matt Breida doing actually pretty well in the carries is given, but Matt Breida ain't Jonathan Taylor. You can't give him 20 carries or, uh, or 30 carries and let him win you the game. Uh, and so, yeah, it just feels like uh, Buffalo aren't quite where they need to be to be a true contender. Um, I think... For Indianapolis, they're fine. Uh, well, it, it, I, you know, I don't trust Indianapolis because they have Carson Wentz, but I do trust Jonathan Taylor. And if that's enough to win games and put them into the playoffs, then I think they could definitely make life very difficult. And yeah, it definitely mm-hmm. feels like these teams like Indianapolis, like New England, who are playing what we kind of thought was outdated old school football. They seem to be the teams right now as we go into uh, nearing December that are getting hot and the teams that we have kind of admired and talked up the last few years have been getting a bit colder as the winter comes in. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll follow that as the story develops. Houston at Tennessee, ah, 22 to 13. Now, this was the this was the big upset. I was saying the Indianapolis Buffalo one was a surprise. This one was an upset. Um, injury ravaged Tennessee, who, as we mentioned, have lost some more players. <laughs> like, just they can't they couldn't make a comeback in this game. They were down ninety to nothing. They were being shut out by the Houston Texans. Um, Tannehill went for three hundred twenty yards, a touchdown, and four interceptions. Again, four interceptions by the Houston Texans. 
he was just throwing lobbing balls up. Uh, like they lost JJ Brown early. Uh, Marcus Johnson as well. Like it was not great. They made special teams mistakes. Tyrod Taylor on the other side, it realistically didn't play a better game because you know he threw for 130 yards, but he has two touchdowns. He had the kind of highlight reel. Going for it like Cam Newton, except that he weighs a hundred pounds less than <laughs> Cam Newton does, and <laughs> he gets bumped around in there like a pinball machine. Um, like it's 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 good. Like it was, it was an efficient job by, let's be honest, a very undermanned Houston team. Tennessee just looked lost. They lost some more players in here, and they just don't have an answer to it. And to be honest, like if you lost, like what was he? Derrick Henry was like two thirds of their offensive production wasn't he so you lose that and then you lose your top receiver and stuff like that like it's not going to work very well um but yeah like this was just this was just abysmal uh tennessee we like this is this is this is what happens when we say we're going to put some respect on the name like tennessee have just gone no fuck you we're going back to being the titans again but yeah i just for houston good win uh Better like, hope that this doesn't start costing them draft positions. Like, like when people look at the win loss sheet for Tennessee at the end of the year, how are they going to make sense of it? Like, I have no idea. They lost the Jets and then they beat all the best teams in the NFL, and now they lose to the Texans, and you're kind of going, "What the hell's going on here? Like, what's going on?" And like, look, like obviously Tennessee are absolutely ravaged by injuries right now. They don't have Derrick Henry, they didn't have Jerry McNichols in this game, so you're missing the the two starting running backs. Obviously, one's much better than the other, but yeah, and you're relying on like Don. Dell Hilliard and like Adrian Peterson to be your your running back tandem and then AJ Brown and Marcus Johnson who had 100 yards last year both those guys end up going out early in this game and so you're missing obviously AJ Brown is way better than that, Marcus Johnson but obviously yeah now you're relying on like Nick Westbrook-Akeen and Des Fitzpatrick a guy that they literally cut after drafting him in the in the preseason because he was so terrible and one of the interceptions in this game that Tannehill threw I believe was on a miscommunication to 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 yeah. to Des Fitzpatrick you know shout out to all my Fitzpatrick brothers obviously I love you all but <laughs> uh, yeah not a great situation when like you know Tannehill's caught on uh, on on audio basically going like you got that like you, you got that and he did not got that he he got bad and yeah so Tannehill like look obviously Tannehill is operating under a lot of pressure right now with all of these losses and injuries uh, in the offensive weapons and even on the OL uh, during the season but you know we've kind of talked about him in recent years as someone who's turned his career around who is a you know starting like you know probably you know marginal maybe top 10 quarterback maybe a little you know certainly above average uh, but this year he has been bad all year even when they've had their top weapons most of the games he's been bad and when the pressure is finally put on him to win a game by himself no Henry no AJ Brown no Julio go out there and win us a game against one of the worst defenses in the league he couldn't do it he screwed the pooch and throw four interceptions like you know he got 300 yards but a lot of that was in garbage time when the Texans were playing prevent defense and just you know desperately holding on so that they wouldn't lose but uh yeah like it's just a very pathetic scene in Tennessee right now and their defense which had kind of showed up a bit in the last month or so you know they weren't bad but they obviously let the the Texans score 22 points and they let Tyrod mostly just play incredibly safe kind of classic Tyrod Tyrod don't give make any mistakes just play clean take what opportunities there and against the Tennessee team that was was basically completely shooting itself in the foot that was enough to win this game like it's not gonna blow you away but hey it works um so look I, I think 
Houston, like they're not quite as bad as we kind of expected at the beginning of the year. They've had games where they completely collapse, but if you give them a sniff, if you give them a chance, they they do stick around. And Tyrod is a guy who's willing to keep playing. Uh, but yeah, in a game where you know the biggest win streak ended up losing to the biggest losing streak, uh, yeah, the NFL this year is just a very very weird place. And Tennessee, you know, they're now only I believe a, a game or so up in the in the number one seed. So like they're probably going to still be in the playoffs, but. Uh, yeah, maybe not in the kind of superposition we thought they might have been in a few weeks ago. No, of course. And I got some I got some breaking news for you, Fitz. Yep. The Kansas City Chiefs have just signed their long snapper, James Winchester, to a two-year contract extension, making him the highest-paid player at his position. I think my pick for best long snapper of the year is looking pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, like my got cut, guy got cut in the in the preseason, so uh, <laughs> I don't know he he got re-signed, so it was fine. But like, look, yeah, like look, uh, you know, in ter- in ter- you know, like the the, the the Tennessee Titans laid a dump uh, off, and now we get on to the dump off. <laughs> yeah. So here we go, Fitz. Catch the shitty ball. Don't get tackled in the backfield. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, first up, a couple of games that were somewhat relevant, but not, not that interesting to actually watch. First up, Baltimore at Chicago, 16-13, to 13, uh, and a game that was very exciting for the last five minutes, but otherwise basically unwatchable as the defense dominated on both sides. Like uh, Both teams had a turnover and then had about three and six sacks, respectively, for Baltimore and Chicago. Uh, but basically the last uh, stanza of this game... Uh, ended when uh, Dalton got his second touchdown after coming in for injured fields. And look, Dalton, he was very Andy Dalton, uh, but he was willing to throw the screen. He was willing to throw on time. And that ended up look, making the offense look adequate, we'll say. Not amazing, but adequate. Uh, so he ended up with 202 touchdowns. So he got that second touchdown, put Chicago up after being behind for the entirety of this game. And then Huntley, who was in because Lamar had a non-COVID-related sickness, um, finally did something that wasn't throwing the ball to Mark Andrews and he he, he got lucky with a flag I would say uh, like you know the defensive back really shouldn't have like given away that much yards against someone like Huntley uh, uh, but he got in set up like a uh, ticket 20 something uh, throw to Watkins which was literally the only 20 plus throw that Huntley had all game like Huntley He's a dual threat quarterback, but very college level, like just runs around a lot, throws it inside end. He's not a quarterback, really, but he's an undrafted guy. So what do you expect? Like, let's be honest. Um, so for Baltimore, once again, they absolutely ride their luck and get away with it. Uh, but they are now uh, well positioned in the number one seed hunt, uh, albeit that's a kind of a mess right now, uh, given all those teams' uh, respective uh, strengths and weaknesses. For the Bears, this pretty much kills, in my opinion, their chance of making the playoffs, even given how bad that wildcard spot is. And as you say, change is probably a coming. Um, but even yeah, though Dalton... We haven't, did, we haven't got good sources on it, but we've got about five or six crappy sources on it now, just all saying that he has been informed that he will be coaching on Thursday, but that will be his last... Don't tell a coach four days before you expect him to coach a game that you're firing him regardless. Yeah, so like after the, the two-minute drive and then Chicago get in like the couple of seconds left, like Dalton looked better, but like I think, you know, you have to play fields to see what you have there. He's very, very up and down. He obviously has some incredible traits, but yeah, if you're trying to run the Matt Nagy offense, Andy Dalton's probably a better option, but uh, that's not going to be a problem in the future uh, pretty quickly, I imagine. Uh, Washington at Carolina, 27-21. to 21. Ron Rivera gets his revenge as the fearless Heineke, and truly he was fearless. Like there was one uh, big play he made here where the previous play he'd abs- he basically got his back snapped in half as he got like his knees were like he got his knees pulled back and he was just like hanging there like with some guy or with like someone's hand around his neck and so you know Heineke 
he he crazy and but in this game that was enough he had 200 yards and three touchdowns he was basically willing to get hit as much as possible and uh but willing to actually play through that and gibson uh, antonio gibson has actually been improving uh, since the bye in particular he was good against top of a last year week he was good here although he had a fumble but he nearly 100 yards i think that's giving them at least some offensive predictable offensive output and they're going to get their tight end back uh, uh soon so i think like they're on the up and up in terms of their offense it's not obviously the most efficient or, or reliable offense but it's better than what we were seeing a month ago on the other hand on Carolina's side like Cam started really hot in this game and he had two early touchdowns he ended up with like 245 and three touchdowns but he faded very badly late and even CMC who finished 120 yards and touchdown that's mostly been kept quiet for CMC let's be honest and he once again wasn't quite as good down the stretch as this Washington defense continues to stiffen a bait um, they got that turnover and down they got a turnover and downs in the final two Carolina drives um, so there's a bit of there's a bit of spark in this Washington team. Maybe my I dismissed them too early as a as as a, as a, as a you know surprise team this year. But uh, yeah, I think for Carolina they're better now than they were with Darnold. But you're not seeing that kind of growth level with Cam to, to make them really much of a factor uh, in terms of like maybe they could make the playoffs, but nothing more. Uh, and given uh, where Washington are, I'd probably prefer them right now. Next up, New Orleans at Philly. Uh, 29 to 40 in favor of Philly. Uh, New Orleans had the number one run defense coming into this, but the Philly run machine cannot be stopped. They were absolutely, uh, <laughs> like absolutely destructive of that defensive line. As Sanders went for nearly 100 yards, Hertz had 69 yards, nice, and three touchdowns. And he, you know, he had 147 through the air. He wasn't too bad there as well. And Howard pitched in another 63. So they basically just took the template they've had for multiple weeks. Uh, now for for over a month and it worked against the best run defense maybe this is worth sticking with maybe uh, there's no reason to go away from this at any point and it just once again for me the only thing it does is beg the question of why I didn't run the ball sooner so they have Miles Sanders back it seems to be uh, like that's the last thing they need to just kind of keep this thing going and I think momentum for this Eagles team is definitely growing because the defense was pretty solid as well like Simeon like his final he had four touchdowns at the end of this but most of that was in garbage time maybe things got a little bit closer than Philly should have allowed but most he was kept in check and the uh, defense was opportunistic with the multiple turnovers look Ingram was the kind of engine of the uh, New Orleans offense again over 100 yards but he's not Alvin Kamara the sooner you get Alvin Kamara the more I'd give New Orleans a chance of winning these types of games but until he gets back I think they're going to end up losing a lot more of these than they win and maybe you know with the with the Taysom Hill contract I'm not sure like like I get why they're playing Simeon because he's obviously more of an actual quarterback but I don't know without Kamara it just doesn't work when you get Kamara back, put Simeon back in. But maybe this week, uh, play more Hill. See what you have there. Uh, next up, Cincinnati at the Vegas Raiders, 32 to 13. Uh, Cincinnati had an early fumble here, and you're kind of going, oh, like we were kind of like, is Cincinnati just collapsing? Uh, but no, in the end, it's the Vegas team who are collapsing harder. And I think for Cincinnati, the big thing is that they wound back the kind of Jamar Chase, big touchdowns, all that kind of stuff, and they used a template that wasn't quite effective early this season, but seems to have been put down after uh, you know having a bit of time off. So they got Mixon running. He was running tough. He had over 100, 120 yards, two touchdowns, very effective. And Burrow, you know, there was the that, first there was that crazy one where like he went off the right hand side. Like I think he kind of half tackled out his own wide receiver, and then broke about eight more tackles to make it an 18 yard run, even though he got like contacted first after two yards. 
yeah, I think Jamar Chase was the unfortunate recipient of the uh, whack around the head from his running back, which, to be fair, like, maybe that's a, a metaphor for what the, the Bengals were doing on offense today, and maybe he should be going on forward, because, like, Burrow, after the early fumble, and to be honest, the plays that he was bad the rest of the way were also based on this. When he held the ball, when they tried to do too much, the offensive line was under pressure, and they were making mistakes, but if he was just willing to dump the ball off, rely on the run game, they were very effective at that. So I think they definitely, you know, Obviously, you want to see more than Jamar Chase, but similar to a lot of teams we talked about in the main reviews, you know, all that stuff can open up if you run the ball effectively and obviously when you need it. Um, so maybe a lesson there. And look, like, to be fair, they ended up settling for a lot more field goals than they would have wanted uh, four in this game. Uh, but against an imploding Vegas team, being safe and just not giving them opportunities to get back up was the right thing to do because Carr, he had two turnovers. Um, he just looked unable to carry a team, which is just a disarray on the offensive side. Obviously, like Waller, I suppose, at least got over 100 yards, so he's back and being the focus point in this offense. But just in terms of uh, what they're doing, they just look completely lost right now. The you know cumulative effect of all of the controversies around them seems to be really getting to them. And you combine that with the Vegas Raiders' proclivity to collapsing late in the season anyway, I don't think they're going anywhere fast. Uh, the Cincinnati defense uh, was given a nice opportunity to get back up uh, to what we had earlier in the season, and they made a good uh, they made a good job of it, uh, with the two two turnovers, two sacks, and less than 300 yards allowed. Uh, now getting into a lot of the uh, lesser games, 24 to 17, Miami beat the Jets. Um, they kind of struggled their way over this. Like Tua was mostly clean outside of his interception, uh, and he was very effective on play action, but. When he's just asked to step back, um, and particularly in the red zone, they just don't seem to trust him. It felt like there were more direct snaps to uh, like to J- Jalen Waddle and Miles Gaskin than there were passing uh, attack uh, attempts for Miami uh, for two of Tungavaloa in the actual red zone. I don't know what they're doing there. Like the rush attack is toothless to be fair, but yeah, I don't know what. Like it's just a little bit weird how they're doing it. Um, even when they don't have a backup quarterback, they trust. They're putting other guys in a quarterback who are quarterbacks to see what they can do. Um, on the Jets side, like look, they were starting Joe Flacco, so there's not that much that they can hope for there except to steady the ship, which he was, to be fair, mostly okay at. He had the fumble, but like obviously was fine. And I think at least for them, the big thing is Elijah Moore is breaking out in recent weeks at over 141 yards of touchdown here. He obviously looks like a complete, like a really good talent and someone who could be a wide receiver one going forward. And Carter out before he got injured at 65 yards, and he definitely looks like one for the future. So look. I think the big question then is like those guys, those young guys are, are, are succeeding with having actual quarterback play available, especially more. And now you question, well, when he had Zach Wilson in there, they weren't doing anything. So do you start the rookie quarterback again once he's fit? Or do you just kind of let this season play out with okay quarterback play and let these other guys actually develop? Uh, you know, I think if you're a team, you probably have to pay Wilson. Next up, Detroit at Cleveland, 10 to 13. God, this was a terrible game and incredibly grim because Cleveland, like they were just... You know, it's like a war film. Like they have their legs blown out and their intestines are flowing out. But uh, hey, thankfully, Detroit, like their heads being blown off. So you win the battle, I suppose, in that sense. Um, like the only touchdown they had was a Jarvis Landry like direct snap that basically looked like it was a busted play. It was supposed to be like a kind of a switcheroo type of play, and he just ran it in instead. And that was basically the only thing that worked, except for Nick Chubb, who is a beast and had 144 yards. But Baker Mayfield, he's playing hurt. There's a lot of bad blood going on in the media between him and Jarvis Landry and the team. And it just doesn't feel right now. They feel like a team that's on uh, swirling the toilet and just happened to meet Detroit and get a win here. But not great signs going forward. Like two interceptions here uh, for Baker. Just, yeah, not not good times overall. 
and around 50% completion. On the other hand, the Lions had Tim Boyle starting, apparently. He had two interceptions, uh, less than 100 yards. He didn't exist uh, as DeAndre Swift was left to basically try and carry an entire team. Um, And unfortunately, he wasn't quite able to do that. And despite Baker throwing in a couple of picks to make this somewhat more competitive than it had any right to be. Uh, Awful, awful game. Uh, San Francisco at Jacksonville, 30 to 10. A routine win for San Francisco as Debo Samuel was, uh, you know, both a really good wide receiver and a really good running back. Nearly 100 yards, he had a touchdown uh, on the ground. And Ayuk was pretty effective in the passing game as well. So Jimmy G was able to take a backseat. They had 22 passes to 42 rushes. So a nice easy day for Jimmy G against a pathetic Jacksonville team where their defense is terrible, as usual. And Trevor Lawrence looks completely lost. Like, I don't know if it's Lawrence. I don't know if it's, it's Urban Meyer. But something's got to change here. This feels like a team that if they go into another year with this pairing, um, they're going to waste a lot of talent and a lot of draft capital. Um, and even with J-Rob back, they weren't doing much. So just a hopeless performance overall. And for San Francisco, they continue their march into the NFC wildcard hunt. Uh, Arizona at Seattle, 23-13. to Colt McCoy, he's a man. He dominated here after having a terrible uh, week 10. 320 yards, two touchdowns, a nice, clean, polished performance. And to be honest, he spent most of his time fighting his own kicker who went one for three. Um, otherwise, they would have been even further ahead. And yeah, Seattle just about were in touch for most of this game. But that just made it even more depressing that you you know, you know they never felt like they were actually going to do it. Their offense was abject. Russell Wilson had around 200 yards. And outside a couple of nice throws to Lockett, they basically had nothing. Their run game is mediocre. And the team is sleepwalking into an awful record and having very little talent. And they don't even have a first-round pick if they do badly because that's with the Jets because of Jamal Allen's trade fun times all around. New England at Atlanta, 25-0. to zero. Um, I'd love to have Sean right here. I suppose this was less exciting than the win last week and perhaps the win they get next week. Uh, but like it was a suffocating win for the New England defense as their defense had four interceptions, four sacks, 12 QB hits, only 165 yards allowed. Admittedly against a Coradell Patterson missing <laughs> less Atlanta team, which uh, I didn't think would be a thing at the start of the season. But like, look, Matt Ryan, who's pressured at 50% of his dropbacks, there was nothing he can do. He's just playing with a like like a team that was already talent poor with even less talent due to injuries and mental health stuff and stuff like that so just they're there they feel like after being slightly up a few weeks ago they're gonna take a few ticks down for the rest of the season uh, mac jones to be said was his usual effective self outside his pick uh but he was helped by the fact atlanta kept you know giving flags and they they, they basically just let nick folk have most of the points and they weren't willing to take any risk because they didn't need to in this game uh bigger test for new england ahead but uh things looking nice for them now they're back atop the afc east their rightful place some would argue sean certainly would uh new york giants at tampa bay to finish up i think connor as you say these last few games two blowouts two teams we don't want to see playing the super bowl but uh you know hard yep. not to see it a little bit uh you know a routine win for tampa bay brady was like his usual imperious self 317 yards two two, two d's he had interception was basically right off the hands of mike evans so not really his fault and he was spreading the love evans gronk and goblin all had around 70 yards a couple of touchdowns for them and yeah i think having gronk back you could tell that that made a huge difference in offense and i think antonio brown is a week or two from coming back so we might see the return of the explosive tampa bay offense we saw earlier but hey in the second half particularly tampa bay defense also got back on track uh, they had two interceptions, a fumble. They only had 200 yards in, in total in the game anyway. Uh, but basically, Danny Dimes in the second half in particular just turned into classic Danny Diming. That second interception thrown to a defensive lineman, McLendon, just classic Danny Diming, just like throwing it across his body on his back foot, falls into the arms of a defensive lineman. That's just like, yeah, 
I don't know, not really much hope there for the New York Giants. I think they're talking about firing Jason Garrett right now because the offense has been so pathetic. Uh, but hey, they got a nice touchdown to their offensive lineman. Always nice to see. So yeah, Tampa Bay, be afraid. New England, be afraid. Uh, let's hope some of these more fun teams and less, you know, terribly evil teams uh, have a chance to make do. So that's dump off for this week. See you next week. Yeah, I suppose it'll take us some we'll have a look at the games for next week. So, first up, we have Thanksgiving games. Chicago at Detroit. Oh, we really need to just get them to change who they have playing these fucking games on Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, so me and you have gone for Chicago. Sean's gone for Detroit. Do you know what? I forgot that, yeah, they're going to have Dalton in for this game, aren't they? That's probably better for them, to be honest, based on what we saw. Uh, Look, I, like, I, I don't think he's a better quarterback. I think Justin Field is better if he was put into a scheme that actually made sense but they refused to play a non-Andy Dalton offense or at least they've been glacially slow in adding Justin Fields oriented things the RPOs and stuff like that and so it just meant that like yeah I think with with, with Dalton in there there'll be a more safe offense and not have as many turnovers and that means that yeah. Detroit will have very little chance like I think their only hope for Detroit is the usual hope which is that uh, DeAndre Swift goes for 200 yards and does Jonathan Taylor type things but you mm. know, even though he's a really good running back and he could certainly do that on a better team on this team you know Chicago have one job and I think they'll be able to do it um, yeah. so I, I don't believe in Detroit I think Chicago can get it done here on the first game of Thanksgiving yeah, the only thing is, it's that question of if, if any of these rumours about Nagy being fired are true, it's a question of will he just go balls out and go like, I'm going for it on fourth down every time, or will he just be like, I don't care. Unless, <laughs> just, unless, unless he wants to go full Pedersen and just self-sabotage for the crowd. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's like, fuck him over. Um, but yeah, I've gone for Chicago, you've gone for Chicago, Sean's gone for Detroit. Next up, Vegas at Dallas, we've gone for Dallas across the board. Like we mentioned before, and Dallas are a bit banged up, particularly a wide receiver, but they've got Dak, they've got Zeke, they've got a decent defense, and Vegas have looked all over the shop of late. Um, that little bump they were getting after they swapped coaches, not really sticking around. Derek Carr looks lost, and Dallas have the type of defense to go after him and cause him some issues, so can't see past them in that one. Buffalo at New Orleans. Um, oh, this is a tough one. I've gone for New Orleans, and you boys have gone for Buffalo. Yeah, like to be fair, like I, I don't blame anyone for going to New Orleans. They obviously have a good run defense, except apparently <laughs> this week. Uh, <laughs> and to be fair, Buffalo aren't doing much of a threat on, on the ground anyway. So I assume they'll be attacking the defensive backs, um, which isn't easy either. I think New Orleans they do have a good they do have a good defense. They just happening as Philly to find I don't know some kind of uh, you know Achilles heel there. Uh, but on the other hand, Buffalo like look they've been very very up and down. Um, it feels like for most of the season, but in particular over the uh, the last month or so. And so they come up against a team in New Orleans who are kind of in that same cultish area, kind of, you know, five and five, solid, but not great, have definite weaknesses. And it's just and also like, like what, what I'm thinking is also like very, very much lean on that run game. <laughs> like, Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for me, like I, I, I'm trusting that Josh Allen can have a bounce back game here that, uh, he can, you know, kind of slice and dice, and that they'll be out here to prove something. Uh, obviously, in the big primetime game on Thanksgiving, but like, yeah, and and to be honest, more so on the New Orleans side, I don't think Alvin Kamara is expected back for this game, so it's just the same Trevor oh, Simeon, right, Mark Ingram playbook, which has been. I thought, thought Kamara might have been back for this one. Fair enough. Yeah, it's just not. It just doesn't inspire uh, much uh, hope uh, for if it is. But like, to be fair, they put up a lot of points late against Philly, so you can't count them out. But uh, obviously, I picked Buffalo to win the Bowl, so I'm willing to trust them one one more week here at least against a team that they need to beat if they they want to genuinely be seen as contenders. 
Yeah, early games for Sunday. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. We've gone for Cincinnati across the board. Uh, obviously, they're coming off a very powerful performance last week. Uh, but Pittsburgh also went very, very well. Um, it's just the Chargers just seem to not know how to defend, whereas Cincinnati do. Cincinnati beat them away earlier this year, didn't they? So, like, this is a team yeah. that knows how to deal with them. Yes, Ben looked a little bit crisper, but he still didn't look like a particularly strong quarterback. And Cincinnati definitely seemed to... Now, the problem is, I believe the reports are that basically all of the missing Pittsburgh defensive players are due to be back for this game. So it will be tougher sledding. But I, I, I could see this becoming more of a slugfest rather than a high scoring, uh, which is not what you'd think coming after last week. Yeah, I think there should be a, a better matchup uh, for Cincinnati against this Pittsburgh defense, or at least they, they play a scheme that's much more likely to, to play into the weaknesses of this Pittsburgh defense. Like they're a team that, you know, it's all about effort. It's all about keeping the, the ball in front of you and not giving the opportunity for yards after the catch and not allowing big explosive run plays. So I think that is a template that does work against Pittsburgh. It did work earlier this year. So I think we could see another good game for the Cincinnati defense. And then Joe Burrow, I think you know, it'll be interesting to see whether they choose to air it out or not. There's obviously weaknesses in that secondary um, for Pittsburgh, even if they have Minka Fitzpatrick back. Uh, but obviously, TJ Watt herring off the side, you don't want to get too uh, fancy with it. So I think yeah. you know, I think Cincinnati will be a little bit more balanced. We'll see a bit more of the explosiveness being brought back in slowly but surely. Uh, but I do think you'll see a big dose of mix and you'll see a big dose of uh, Boyd underneath. Uh, and I just have more faith that this Cincinnati team, they obviously have a lot more upside than Pittsburgh, uh, but they're a team that I'm willing to trust that they they can turn it around and get back on track. Uh, and Pittsburgh, with their you know very solid but very limited approach to football, um, will lose uh, on Sunday. No, of course. Uh, Carolina at Miami is uh, our next game. We've gone for Carolina across the board, Ronan. Yeah, look, Carolina looks solid against Washington, at least for the first half. Uh, they kind of wilted a bit. Um, but I think with, with Tam Newton, they don't look uh, as hopeless as they did with Sam Darnold, certainly not as turnover-prone. Uh, Miami, look, they, they're they technically on a streak, but uh, I don't know. There's just something about that team that still feels very much off. Uh, but with Tua there, he's playing a little bit better. He's very effective on play action. You, you can give them a shot, but uh, yeah, I'm willing to give Carolina the benefit of the doubt, especially because that defense, I think, um, has to, it continues to be good and has made certainly the less good offenses in the league look very bad. So I'll give it a win to Carolina's defense here. Yeah, next up we have Philly at the Giants. Uh, me and you gone for Philly and Sean's gone for the Giants. Uh, look, traditional AFC matchup one, it could go any kind of... One NFC. week in New York and he's like pay, picking the Giants. Yeah, look at him, look, Billy, Billy fucking big balls, like just trying to be friendly with all the Hollywood, with all the, all the New York literati. No, um, this could go anyway because look, it's a horrible NFC East thing of they all just play weird against each other but the Giants have looked awful particularly there last night uh, there's rumours swirling that they might fire Joe Judge um, Philly looked to actually get something going the last couple of weeks and they realised oh yeah we can run the ball and that works with our quarterback as well and we've actually got decent running backs and that'll open up some game if we do some play action and stuff oh wow what's it has everyone known that this is how football works? How, do, how are we doing this earlier? Um, so I, I'd imagine they're going to continue doing that against a Giants team that no one's really showing up for. Like, their bright spark Tony's disappeared. Saquon Barkley, he hasn't just looked like a proper player at all since coming back. So, yeah, like, it's hard to see past them. Yeah, like, Jalen Hurts is the player that they probably hope Danny Dimes would be. But Danny Dimes is bad and dumb and makes stupid mistakes all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tennessee at New England, Ronan. Uh, this is your pick of the week, and we have gone for New England across the board. 
Yeah, like, look, obviously, if Sean was here, he, he would be talking about this game. He'd be getting excited. He'd be telling us about how great this New England team is. And to be fair, it's hard to deny that this New England team is one of the scariest teams in the NFL right now, particularly if you're a fan of any other AFC team. They're only one and a half games back from Tennessee in the number one seed hunt. And yeah, I think we're all worried now that the evil empire is officially back. They have struck back and they are willing to do whatever it takes to... Uh, you know, get back where, where they believe they deserve to be. So, look, look, New England, they play a very old-school version of football. This is very similar to the, uh, the the Super Bowl that they won against the Rams that season where they're running the ball really effectively. Ramondre Stevenson got the, you know, the start a couple of weeks ago and showed himself to be a bona fide running back, one, a powerful, dynamic runner. And now Damien Harris is back. So now you've got a one-two punch that's going to make life hell for the vast majority of defenses in the league. And while Tennessee have been better on defense, they're certainly being... Uh, you know, question marks about them after their performance last week against Houston against the Houston Texans. Now, to be fair, they did hold Rex Burkhead in check, so maybe the run defense isn't the problem. But uh, yeah, I think that's working. And Mac Jones over the course of the year seems to be getting better and better. And that just you know that rhythm-based offense, you know, where you do you take your street your three sets back, your five sets back, you get the ball out quickly, you trust your receivers, you understand the system. Like That's something we're seeing from him that we don't see from rookies typically. And while he doesn't have the superpowers of some of these other rookies that we've seen succeed in terms of being you know dynamic, big arms, and being able to run and stuff like that, he's very good at doing the New England offense, and they're happy enough with that. And on the other hand, the New England defense continues to seem to get better and better every week. JC Jackson shows up with an interception. He's starting to get those interceptions again. Their defensive line is working. You're getting blitzes from Dante Hightower occasionally for for some reason and they just have that incredibly diverse defensive backfield where guys like McCurdy and Duggar like they just seem to be in different places in every game and every nearly in every drive and it's just making life incredibly difficult for opposing quarterbacks to kind of predict and play and with Tennessee with Tannehill being so turnover prone it feels like this year that's basically mm-hmm. a major concern so I think for us in New England I think if they run the ball well if they get turnovers this could turn into a bit of a rout and the Tennessee titans you know time atop the afc tower could be over very quickly well look for tennessee we we know their defense is being better their defense is going to need to step up in this game we need Tannehill to re- regain some of his form that he's had in previous years because if he shows up being the terrible quarterback he's been for far too long this year especially if aj brown is out uh, i think they're hoping to get aj brown that they're they're optimistic there but if he's out he has to carry this team and if he screws the bed again big questions about like what Tennessee are as a team with Tannehill at quarterback. So New yeah. England scary right now, uh, but then it's Tennessee. They, they they might win here because Tennessee have kind of been like this year. <laughs> yeah, to be, to be honest, I just I kind of expect New England to quite handily take Tennessee here. I think Bill Belichick can scheme out. As I said, I said this going into the season, and I said it last season as well. I don't actually think Ryan Tannehill is particularly good. I've never thought he is. I just thought that he was being covered up well in a scheme that everyone had to focus on someone else, and it looks to be. Correct. Um, yeah. Make, make yeah. sure to put a bookmark for next week's podcast for Sean's uh, very uh, happy uh, review of the last month of New England's football. After, uh, after only if he only Sean. if he reviews every Minnesota game that he's missed. <laughs> uh, oh. The retrospective. Okay. Uh, next up, Atlanta at Jacksonville. Yeah, oh, don't, 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 watch, don't watch this game. It's terrible. Don't watch uh, it. Atlanta across the board. Yeah, like uh, I think they'll get Tor- they might have Cordell Patterson back and that'll be enough. But if they don't have Cordell Patterson, this could truly be one of the worst games this year. But like both these teams are terrible, and yeah, either of them could win this because you know terrible teams have ways of losing that they shouldn't. Uh, but yeah. yeah, bad bad game. 
Next up is my pick of the week, uh, Tampa Bay at Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I've gone a bit ballsy on this one. I've gone for the Colts. Uh, I still don't trust them, but I think Tampa Bay are a lot more brittle than we were giving them credit for. Um, yes, they were good this week, but the previous week they were not very good at all coming off the coming off the bye. I don't think that they're fantastically well built because they do have some injuries to the defensive line and stuff to actually deal with Jonathan Taylor. Because I think it's like... I, if they if they if this game becomes about Carson Wentz, then Tampa Bay gonna win this without a fucking worry because Carson Wentz is not very good. But I've just got a feeling that they're at home. They're gonna start running hard on them. They're gonna be like, yeah, this is how we kind of put our stamp on maybe coming back into this South race somehow. You know, you England take out the uh, the Titans while they stomp out Tampa Bay. Uh, it would be a great kind of narrative as they're pushing on forward. But um. Yeah, look, it's just Jonathan Taylor is basically it. And the fact that I think they have a decent defense and can cause a little bit of issues. And Tampa Bay have been a little bit hit or miss. Um, yeah, like Tampa Bay should, in theory, win here. But I, as I said, I just I don't trust them as much as I did in previous years. I don't think Gronk's 100%. I'm not sure they're 100% on page with all the receivers at the moment. I just, yeah, like, there's just like something... Two- Something doesn't feel a hundred percent to me at the moment. Yeah, two two big potential injury comebacks for them. I think Vita Vea, uh, they're they're hopeful but not optimistic that he could be back for this game. He's obviously been yeah. a huge part of making them one of yeah, the yeah. run defenses in the league. And then Antonio Brown, they're optimistic that he'll be back for this game and they're offensively back to its full strength. You know, uh, you know, getting all the Infinity Stones together for Tom Brady. Uh, yeah. So if if both those things happen, then Tampa Bay's chances increase quite substantially at least if both yeah. of them are healthy uh but you look like indianapolis yeah you know every time we say give them some respect it seems the next week the team <laughs> loses all our respect but like they have jonathan taylor they have a template and carson went to be fair to him while having some very questionable decisions um has been okay this year he's certainly been not as bad as we kind of projected uh, in the preseason and as long as he doesn't do daniel jones level stupid things which he hasn't done mostly this year except for perhaps a tennessee game um then Indianapolis definitely have to be given a shot here. And look, they had such an impressive performance against Buffalo that, you know, if they found a sweet spot, if they've got turned the corner, then certainly they're worth watching. And like, uh, I don't know if you've watched the the new uh, in-season hard knocks with the Indianapolis Colts. No, uh, I haven't. I think because I have no interest in watching that much time surrounding Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts. If things heat up a bit here, then uh, might be some stuff worth watching. Still not not interested. Still don't want to watch that much of it. Don't care about them. Yeah, <laughs> well, not, not not enough for, I presume, about 14 hours of programming, right? Well, the, the, there was a lot of gender reveals in the first episode, so <laughs> not quite the uh, thrilling uh, content I was hoping for. Yeah, uh, I wonder if there is just some kind of, like, maybe there's like an AFC South kind of spirit that, you know, goes into the body of one AFC South running back at any given time and allows them to have superhuman powers. And now that Derek Henry is injured, it's moved on to Jonathan Taylor. Uh, yeah, but I think Jamin Robinson, I've advocated for the Jags to just run him into the ground as well. Uh, he, he was yeah. out injured, wasn't he? Yeah, he has been. But he, you know, in the few games they've had him, they, they, they've been better when they've ran him. So, yeah, okay. I think for everyone except for the Texans, they should run the ball more. And really, that's a cheat because the Texans, like Tyrod Taylor, should run more. So it, it's basically the same difference. Uh, but yeah, no, that should be a very exciting game. One percent tuning for that one. Next up will not be an exciting game. The Jags at Houston. Uh, me and you have gone for Houston. Jets. Uh, 
Sean, Sean again with his New York connections uh, has gone from the Jags, uh, sorry, for the Jets. So, yeah, this will be awful. Houston, like, they ha- find a little bit of something last week. They kind of have a little bit of fun with the option quarterback with Terod. Uh, like, the Jets, do we have Zach Wilson back starting? Do we want Zach Wilson back starting? No. Do we have uh, Joe Flacco? Do we have, like, oh, just I please. give the Jets more of a chance if they start Joe Flacco. But yeah. I don't have a chance anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and like at least like like we mentioned, Carter's out and stuff. It's just yeah, it's, just don't watch this game. It'll be awful. Um, late night football. Or sorry, just later games on the Sunday. Uh, Chargers at Denver. We've both gone for Chargers, and Sean's gone for Denver. That's an interesting move. Um, yeah, like, I don't I could, get the Denver pick, but I don't well, know. The Denver are kind of like a, a younger kind of. Steelers team to some extent or they kind of they remind me a lot of the Steelers when I watched them this year they have a you know very limited quarterback who doesn't make a huge a lot of big plays they've got an effective you know they got two running backs instead of one but it's basically the same thing and their defense while not as good as the Steelers has had moments where they seem to have got really good like thinking of that Dallas game but they've been a lot more up and down in the Steelers defense uh, when they've been fully healthy um, so like I think Denver if they look at what the Steelers did in that second half like they have the personnel to do that they have have Javante Williams and they have Melvin Gordon both have been very effective this week uh, this year um, they have Jerry Judy they have Kirtland Sutton they have Tim Patrick so they have guys who can be effective with yards after the catch and I think Terry Teddy Bridgewater has more of a chance of going deep than Ben Roethlisberger to someone like the Sutton um, so I can see that but you know, I'm still willing to try. I'm still willing to get keep on the Chargers train. They have Justin Herbert, who is very good at football, um, and they have you know so much talent that they should be a good team. Um, so I'm willing to put my faith in them this this week, but I am not very certain about them winning this game. I think this is a 50-50 coin flip game, uh, and both of these teams week to week are just incredibly difficult um, to predict for for different reasons and with very different strengths and weaknesses. But just in terms of consistency. The only thing consistent with both these teams is their inconsistency. Um, but I'm willing to put my faith in the Chargers to speak that they can get it done in mile high and that Justin Herbert has another big game and shows us why everyone's so excited about him as a quarterback prospect going forward. That's the thing. Like, I, could, I can see the roof for the Chargers. I, re- I do struggle to see the roof for the Denver. Like, Teddy Two Gloves isn't getting me excited at all at any point. They've got an okay running game, but the Chargers have a better one. They could, they've got better wide receivers, but no one to get the ball to them. Like, you know, I just... I. No, I, I get it. It's it, it, it's uh, it's also it's a very important one for the AFC West race. Um, but yeah, I just I think I think Denver. Everyone kind of went, oh wait, but they beat the Cowboys. Yeah, but everyone else they beat was shit. Like not, I don't know. I think, I think they got a one week aberration against the Cowboys, and people think that they're fucking great again. They're not. Like, don't forget that three weeks ago we were trying to. T- everyone was in agreement. Oh yeah, no, they're not good. Um, Minnesota at San Francisco. This is going to be uh, Sean's pick of the week for next week. Um, yeah, we've gone for Minnesota, and he's gone for San Fran because he hates Minnesota. Uh, no, he loves Minnesota. He's just uh, he's he's just toying with them. Right, <laughs> it's motivating them. It's like they hear yeah. Sean. He hates us. He's picking against us with the San Francisco 49ers. How dare he? Uh, but of course, if you put any pressure onto the Minnesota Vikings, they are liable to collapse. But this isn't the prime time game, and San Francisco are right on that edge of being a 500 or above team. Um, yeah. So it's very, it's actually a hard game to predict. Like Minnesota, you know, they had that big against big game against Green Bay. The entire offense looked very effective. The play action was working well. Justin Jefferson looked great. And against a secondary in San Francisco that doesn't really have that much talent, in theory, 
what they did against Green Bay should be perfectly capable of doing against San Francisco. And like they have a better defensive front in San Francisco, but otherwise are pretty uh, talent deficient. But it's the Minnesota Vikings, so I don't blame anyone week to week for picking against them. They're just such no. a... And to be honest, I, I nearly should pick against them because they don't tend to string wins back to back all that often yeah. either. But yeah, it's this San Francisco team doesn't feel great to me is the thing. Like, oh wow, they did a good job for some of the game against the Jags. Well done. Like a fucking high school team could do that. Like it yeah, like was like I am an enamored. Like they obviously had that big win against the Rams a few weeks ago. So I think they are finding a groove, they're finding a template, they're running the ball very effectively sometimes with Debo Samuel like obviously they're hoping to get Elijah Mitchell back but Debo Samuel in the backfield Elijah Mitchell in the backfield occasionally Jeff Wilson that is working uh but if like I think this is the kind of game where uh you know if either of these teams get into a hole I don't trust either Kirk, Kirk Cousins or Jimmy G not to start throwing a bunch of tip picks and turn this into yeah. a blowout so for me it's really just like if this game stays in the balance for the entire thing it'll be a very tense tight game a lot of running the ball a lot of play action uh, but if one team gets up early I think they'll blow away with this and it'll be an easy win so it's just a matter of uh, who can get that first move so but for me a pretty close game overall San Francisco yeah. are definitely improving and Minnesota you know they, they showed who they are and fronted up a bit there against Green Bay so we gotta give them some respect no oh, no the Kirk of the respect. Yeah. <laughs> You're just trying to get them to go bad. Uh, Rams at Green Bay. Uh, I mean, you've gone for Green Bay. Sean's gone for the Rams here. Another high-powered game. These are both kind of playoff contenders. You'd expect them to be meeting each other in the postseason, all going to plan. Both have high-powered offenses. Both have quite decent defenses with some, like, kind of top name. It's probably more big-name talent on the Rams versus kind of, like, roster uh, overall solidity and in, in Green Bay rather than individual superstars on the defensive side, but um, yeah, it should in theory be a very fun game. It should be two kind of good defenses challenging two good offenses. Uh, it is hard to see if 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 if, uh, if Rogers is healthy and at home and angry because of the toe and has his weapons back and everything, because uh, it's yeah, like it's hard to look past them. But again, as I said, they were. You know, they they mismanaged themselves by scoring too quickly nearly on last one, although that was only a tying move, uh, so they would have had to go for a two-point conversion to win. But, you know, this is a Rams team that, you know, still lacks a bit of consistency in the run game and all that kind of stuff, but does have a good pass game, does have some nice pieces in that, and does have some very good... Like, this is going to be presumably... The big question in this game is going to be Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams. Yeah, and, like, both these teams are really... You know, coming off a, a you know a last you know fortnight or so of inconsistency, uh, the Rams obviously lost to both the Titans and the 49ers going into their bye. Green Bay obviously just lost to the Vikings. They lost to the Chiefs a few weeks ago in a pretty uh, tepid performance, and like they beat the Seahawks, but not in a very convincing fashion. So these are both teams that we trust because we trust their coaching staffs. We trust the talent on their teams, but have perhaps been wilting a little bit as the winter has been coming in and they just don't seem to be playing up to the level that we would expect them to do. But in terms of Green Bay, I think, look, they have a softness. They have a tendency to lose some games badly during the year, but you trust that they will still rack up the wins throughout the season. They've been doing that ever since LaFleur became the head coach here. And against the Rams team, which has been just very soft, uh, I think carried. Uh, got me to say that they were frauds when they lost that game against 49ers. They just looked beaten off the field. So I think for Green Bay, 
this is a good game to get AJ Dillon really going because last week he was okay he wasn't bad in that game against Minnesota but this is a game I feel against that front in the Rams where you run it right through their throat well maybe not towards Aaron Donald but is he everywhere else on that line you impose your will in them because we've seen that the Rams when they're bullied off the field that they don't really stand up for themselves and Matt Stafford in particular uh, if this Green Bay defense can bounce back and get back to where it was in terms of putting pressure on the quarterback, there's just been too many opportunities now for, for Matt Stafford to, to show that he's a genuine, like, uh, you know, elite quarterback. Um, and just again and again this year, there's just been bad games, bad moments, and he seems to be making mistakes when he doesn't need to. And he seems a little bit over-reliant on uh, Cooper Cup. But similar to Justin Jefferson last week, if Cooper Cup can have his way with this Green Bay secondary, um, then obviously the Rams could definitely be a huge factor. Definitely missing Shear Alexander once again for Green Bay, having that lockdown cornerback uh, and not having to rely on guys as Stoke, uh, like Stokes. So, look, I think this is like this, both these teams, very interesting, very talented, very well coached, but both of them. You know, we have major question marks about where their ceiling is. If these are genuine, like Super Bowl uh, winning type teams right now, they're both playoff teams. But uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see what both these teams do in Lambeau. So a big, you know, and a chance for uh, Matt Stafford to get some uh, an opportunity to prove that he's a real quarterback and he can beat Green Bay. And it's not now that he's not on the Lions. But uh, yeah, I think Green Bay run AJ Dillon, be tough, rough, bully Rams off. Rams throw it to Cooper Cup, let him get going, and then put up a lead that lets Aaron Donald and Von Miller get going at Aaron Rodgers and put that toe under pressure. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. We have kind of an important one: the FC North, Cleveland at Baltimore. Uh, Cleveland obviously coming off a couple of underwhelming performances, squeaking wins here and there, but you know not looking great. They're banged up very badly. I, I believe the term he used was holding their own intestines in the midst of a war <laughs> film montage. Um, Baltimore equally yeah. not looking very good these days no. at all. Running game not getting going, defense not really getting going, banged up with injuries. They had to squeak past a Chicago Bears team that you know was barely able to put points on the board. Um, this is an important, yet I'm going to imagine, difficult to watch game. Um, me and Sean have gone for Cleveland because Chubb's back, Hunt should be back and playing at that point. Nice big run game, support the guys. And to be honest, I'd nearly not be playing Baker at all at this point. I'd just be kind of pushing out that run game a lot and hoping, because Baltimore haven't looked like the deadly offense that we're used to. So maybe you can just grind this and, you know, out AFC North, your AFC North opponent. Um, but I could see how that could not work because that is a type of game that, uh, I'm sure the reason you picked Baltimore, that's a type of game that Baltimore are used to playing and used to winning. Yeah, but they're a completely different team this year, Baltimore, and their biggest success is how jammy they are. <laughs> like there's way too many games that they've won that they have no right to win. They could easily be on three wins right now considering what they've done this year. Uh but in a game that I expect to be close because both teams will be playing close to their chest, um that gamminess could end up being very convenient. Like Cleveland, I think you're right. Like I, I kind of said this a few weeks ago, like Baker is playing very hurt. A bunch of their other guys are playing hurt. Like would it make more sense to just play the guys who are healthy, even if they're a slight step down, like Case Keenum and 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 Anthony Schwartz and guys like that over Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and just let Nick Chubb and potentially Kareem Hunter, it's kind of up in the air if he'll start, but they're, 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 they're hopeful at the moment that he'll play. Um, let those two guys, or even Dernish Johnson as the second running back, just let them go, let them rush right through a Baltimore defense that has been nowhere near 
um, the kind of, uh, I suppose, the uh, reputation that you expect for a Baltimore defense and let them uh, have their way with them. So, look, there is a route to victory for for Cleveland there, but I don't think they can not play Baker because that whole situation is getting very toxic right now. So if they pull him, that's like pulling a thread um, that could go way, way further in terms of the morale and the overall feel of this team. I think they're just about holding together, but if they pulled Baker, I think things could get very ugly, very fast. It's not like Baker's someone who's willing to just, you know, not give what he's thinking, like not say what's on his mind. Um, so yeah, I, I, like for Baltimore, for the big thing is obviously they get uh, Lamar back, they get Marquise Brown back, who are missing for that Chicago game. I think with both those guys, I have more trust in their offense. I have more trust that Lamar can carry an entire team uh, over, uh, over Nick Chubb comparison. Um, and he's been really good at making comebacks and really shown to be a, you know, like making that next step in his evolution as a, as a quarterback. Um, so I'm willing to put my faith that Baltimore get another win here, even if they don't end up deserving it. They might just win it in a jammy way. But uh, yeah, Cleveland just feels really bad right now. I can't pick them. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it's always darkest before the dawn, you know, and Cleveland are my... Uh... Uh, well, Monday Night Football, Seattle, uh, they were saying that a few weeks ago, and uh, it's still pitch black outside. It's like, uh, I don't know if it's Seattle, like they're near, near the Arctic Circle, they may, might have moved to the North Pole where it's dark all the time this time of year because there's nothing going for them here. And on Monday Night Football, they play the Washington football team. And Oof. look, Washington aren't a good team, uh, but they are improving, and their defense is getting a bit spicy. Antonio Gibson is getting going. Taylor Heineke's kind of getting into the Ryan Fitzmagic, uh, you know, groove a bit with his kind of stupid, brave, uh, you know, play that, that mostly works out. And against a Seattle team that just is completely listless right now on, like the defense is slightly better, uh, but the offense is absolutely lost. Unless Russell Wilson, his finger magically heals more this week and he's getting better. Uh, I didn't see any real sparks of hope the last two weeks. So, uh, yeah, I, I just find it very hard to pick Seattle right now, like Cleveland. That that feels like a situation that's getting very ugly very fast, and we could be seeing bigger changes for that team uh, very, very soon. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so, yeah, that'll wrap up our previews and everything. So that'll be fun. We're getting uh, we're getting close in the picks game. Myself and yourself are tied at uh, 100 apiece. Um, John, we'll catch up. He'll get there. <laughs> Uh, actually, Sean's gone. I think. I think. I think Sean's seen those standings because he has gone for a lot of a lot of solo picks this week. So he's going to go bigger going home. Seven hero picks for Sean <laughs> this week. So he's either going to be uh, well up or well down by the end of this uh, week. Uh, but yeah. he, he, sure, he has been doing these remotely, and I definitely get the sense that some of these were made a little bit earlier than he would probably have wanted to uh, <laughs> to just make sure we had them. But fair play to you, Sean. You put in the picks. Uh, and we'll we'll see how you're feeling uh, when you get back next week, and we're looking forward uh, to that. No, it'll be great. Uh, any plans for the weekend and stuff yourself? Uh, no, as I say, we're kind of at the the end of a work thing right now, so I'm kind of pushing towards that. And with obviously the the, the current COVID situation in Ireland not being great, uh, I'm not doing any unnecessary socialising, <laughs> as it were. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think we're getting towards a point of the year where you're kind of all 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 point all markers point towards Christmas. So I think it's just about relaxing and making sure you don't do anything crazy going up to that. Yeah, that seems fair. We are we are uh, ditching from the Dublin house and heading down to Kerry as uh, our electrician and uh, plaster is coming in. And then, yeah, hopefully then we'll be coming back to a slightly less disrupted house. But we'll see. Better heating down in Kerry as well, I hope. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Let's be honest. Now the heating's turned on, I'm actually okay. But whenever she's, we'll have to start turning it on in the middle of the day because uh, once in the morning, once in the evening is not enough. Uh, it's fine downstairs, but upstairs because we have to insulate the the attic is just 
fucking Baltic at the moment. <laughs> uh, but hey, look, this is, this is you know you got you got to got to put in those hours. You got to you got to do the work. Um, yeah. Well, all the brain, all the using of the brain, you're a lot warmer now after all this podcasting, you know. Oh well, that's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> all right. On that note, uh, I think we're we're pretty much done here. We are, yeah. So it's bye for myself, bye for Ronan. Bye. This is all for recording. Thanks so much for listening. We'll chat to you next week.